I'm in the book of Nehemiah. Hopefully we will finish chapter 8 after how many sermons, I don't know, but uh, tonight's the night. Amen. We finished this good chapter that's been the full plate for our souls. And uh, I've entitled this God's Camping Trip, and you'll see why in just a moment. Very unusual text of Scripture. I'm in Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll start reading in verse number 13 together. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch. This must be a southerner right here. Really, the reason we talk that way is because it's in the Bible. And we read the Bible, at least we used to. Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths. As it is written, so the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the children, excuse me, and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua the son of Nun unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day from the first day into the last day he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. Now, as they are in this time of revival and they've gotten out the Bible and they're reading the Bible and, they're try- and they are understanding the Bible as they read it, verse 14 says, and they found written. They found something written they never saw before. It was always there. You know, the Word of God is, is always perfect and pure and it's always there, but sometimes it just dawns on us in life at, at times. We have... Let things go and not taken heed or not seen the value of something. And then something out of the Word of God grabs our attention. And there's some peculiarities about this feast. And it's the Feast of Tabernacles is what it is that they are involved in here. And they find written as they're reading the Bible that they're supposed to have this feast. And of course they're already enjoying, as we preached in the previous verses, they've got portions and they're eating and they're drinking and they're making great mirth as they are supposed to do during the Feast of the Tabernacles. But they find something written, a little detail. You know God's interested in the details. We're not so much interested in the details. I mean, what the children of Israel had done uh, for so many years, for hundreds of years, is that 
They knew what the Feast of Tabernacles were about and they kept the Feast of the Tabernacles, but they left out some details. And they were always there in the Bible, but for some reason, somebody read over that part of the Bible and said, you know what, I don't think I'm too interested in that part. It, 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 it's not that big a deal. I mean, we're here in Jerusalem. We are feasting. We are giving God His offerings. And why should it be so important to keep this other little detail? But God had worked so deeply in the hearts of this remnant. They wanted to keep every detail that God wanted them to do. It wasn't just the overall message. It was the words It's not just the overall theme of my life. Am I giving God every detail of my life? You know, there's a lot of details in that New Testament about how we're supposed to live. And we can just say, well, I'm generally doing pretty good at it. If we'll read it more closely, we'll probably find something in there that we're not obeying. So it says, they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Now that's peculiar, that's strange. He told them to go out of their houses and make a booth outside and just stay in that booth for seven days. You can understand why nobody would want to do that. Leaving the comfort, that's why I call this God's camping trip. And the thing about this little detail in the Bible, the children of Israel had not done that. Look at verse 17. It's amazing. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. Guys, here is a detail in the Bible that from Joshua... All the way to Nehemiah, the people of God had not observed. I find that fascinating. How did David overlook that? He's such a man of the Bible. How was it overlooked in Solomon's day? How how was it overlooked through all the judges? How did Samuel overlook that? How could we go hundreds and hundreds of years and fail to do this part of the Feast of Tabernacles. And maybe they could have justified it and said, well, it's not important. Everything in the Bible is important. But they hadn't done it. The last time they did it was all the way back to Joshua. And they did it back then because they didn't have no houses. It's easy to dwell in boots when you don't have a house. It's easy to make little places outside to live in when that's the only place you've got to live. But from the days of Joshua all the way to Nehemiah, nobody participated in God's camping trip. That's amazing. There's a reason for that. The peculiarity of this thing, oh, also I just want to give some background. He said in verse number 14, And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. The seventh month. Now that's the seventh Jewish month. Do you know the Bible, the Bible rules the world? People do things according to the Bible. They don't even know why they do it. Do you know we still have people, we have booths that, are, that come out every year? At the fairgrounds, 
all those booths. Do you know what month that it, that's in? That's in the seventh Jewish month. That's September, October. Isn't that amazing? It's all coincidence. Well, maybe. Go to Le- Leviticus. I think, I think so much happened, people don't even know why it's happening. In Leviticus chapter 23, in Leviticus chapter 23, we find how God gave them the instruction to do this. But we ought not get too mad at how many instructions are we just reading over? <laughs> Oh, the danger of taking every verse of the Bible literally and trying to live by it. That's what they're doing here. You know what they could have said? They could have said, well, David never did this. You know what they could have said? Well, mom and dad never did this. They could have said, you know, we didn't grow up this way. We've never done this before. We never heard of Solomon doing this. We, we never heard of Samuel. The, the children of Israel have never done this. And you know, you know what some people do sometimes? They say, well, since, since this is not how other people have done it, why should I be so peculiar? Why do I do something so differently than how everybody else has been doing it all these hundreds of years? Well, because when God tells you to do so, it doesn't matter if everybody hasn't done it. You need to keep the details. Well, I don't see the spiritual nature of it. It's just, you know, I just think we can worship God at, at the house just as well as the church. We can keep the Feast of Tabernacles just as well at home as we can going out there in the street somewhere and making a booth. Can you hear the excuses coming by? It's the same excuses today for people not to do the will of God. I'm not going to be so strange. I mean, I don't want to stand out. I mean, what would, what would people think if I got a... You know, you know what it may have been? One guy may have looked and said, are you going to build a booth? Oh, no, you're going to build a booth? Well, I'll tell you what, I ain't going out there by myself and building a booth. Are you with me? Come here now, are you listening to me? Somebody had to say, I'm going to go build me a booth outside and sit out there for seven days in that lean-to and worship God and have a feast. I'm going to take my food in there and... Somebody had to do it. And somebody said, well, I'm not going to do that. My neighbors will think I'm crazy. Now, this is not a tent. This is even, this is even more rugged than a tent, you understand. But what would you, what would you think if your neighbor went out in the street and put a tent out in the street and stayed out there seven days? You'd probably say, well, they got some marriage problems. <laughs> but that, that would be weird. What if you came to church and people had their tent set up out in the parking lot? I mean, it's a little strange. Notice, notice where all these booths are made. Well, I've I got to read Leviticus first. I'm sorry. Leviticus chapter 23. I want to read the verses that tell them to do that. This is what, it was not their imagination. It was spelled out in the Bible. They just never had done it before. Leviticus 23 and verse 34. Verse 33 says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. See, these feasts, they, they didn't work. They just, they came aside and just dwelt on God. You know, I believe in work. I believe if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. 
But you know, there are times you need to get away from your work and just get with God. That's the testimony of the scripture. And so the Bible says in verse 36, seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire. Verse 37, these are the feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim. Drop down to verse 39, he tells more about this feast of tabernacles. Verse 39, in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. That's what they, they do in Nehemiah 8. And on the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees. That's what we're reading in Nehemiah 8. It's spelled out right here. Branches of palm trees and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall keep it a feast on the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute. Look at it. It shall be a statute forever. In your generations, you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths seven days. Can you, can you explain to me what uh, little Benjamin in the household there, the Hebrew house, read that verse of the Bible and said, Daddy, why don't we ever do that? We've never done that before. It's right there in the Bible. When there, there were some kingdoms, Josiah was the greatest king the Bible's ever lived. He didn't do that. Hezekiah, in all his greatness and seeking God, and God listened to him pray, why didn't he do that? There is a verse spelled out in black and white, ye shall, not might, ye shall dwell in booths seven days. Look at it. All that are Israelites born. If you are born an Israelite, get out there in your tent for seven days. They didn't do it. Peculiar. Why? Well, God, why would you tell us to do that? Verse 43. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. We'll say more about that in a minute. I am the Lord, your God. And Moses declaring the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. What an amazing thing. This ragtag, listen, this ragtag remnant in the book of Nehemiah that have all these family problems and have all these personal problems that have come out of the captivity and everything is against them, it seems, and yet they are going to be faithful to God in something that nobody had been faithful to God all the way back to Joshua. I say salute. We may not be able to do everything, but we we can go out there and live in a tent for seven days. We can go camping for seven days. Go back to our text. We'll get some more peculiar things about this. So he said in verse 15, watch what they have to do. Because nobody's going to want to do this. I have to be very honest with you. I don't get really excited about going camping anymore. I'm too old for it. That's sad. It just shows how sorry I am. <laughs> I like, amen, my Tempur-Pedic Lux mattress. <laughs> amen. Ever since I bought that, I don't have sciatic pain no more. 
I mean, it cuddles me. <laughs> Amen. It's a great... Who wants to sleep on the ground? Help yourself. But I mean, I've done that. I remember going mission trip one time. I slept on a board. Good night. I can still remember that. You say, why'd you sleep on a board? Because of what was on the ground. I've slept on a wooden board. But I don't want to sign up for it. You understand? I like going over it. And I tell you what, I get on to people because, you know, they've got about a three degree temperature variation before they get upset. But hey, I'm just as spoiled as everybody else. I, I like to set that thermostat. I don't like to sleep hot. I can't sleep hot. I'll throw everything off the bed. I can't, I can't be hot. I can't sleep. You sleep in a tent, brother, you don't get to change the thermostat. I remember camping out one time. We were going hunting. And uh, it was pretty good in the day. But at night, it got so cold. I thought that was the longest night of my life. Freezing in that tent. I, I just forgot about the deer hunt. I just, I just wanted to be alive. I just wanted to. Yeah. Then getting out there trying to break those eggs. Help yourself. I know. I understand I've done that. It's all exciting. We'll do it again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't like to live that way. I like refrigerators. And you do too or you wouldn't have one. He said, get out there in that booth. Now, here's what we're going to have to do. Verse 15. We're going to have verse 15. Look at it. Nehemiah 8, 15. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths, as is written. He said, Now, you need to go around all the cities and proclaim this. Hey! Everybody in Ephraim, go get your branches. It's time to build your tent. Go publish it. Go and drill. Hey, everybody, the feast is coming up. God's camping trip's coming up. Now, y'all go out there and get your tree limbs. You know why God put that in Leviticus about thick trees? That'll help you with your booth. You get them little scrawny tree limbs, you're not going to have a, a nice time camping out, especially if it rains. You know, if you get stuck out in the wilderness somewhere and you don't have a tent, you don't have anything like that, that's the way they make a, a, a quick shelter. You get branches and you can take the branches of thick trees and you can make a shelter for yourself to keep you out of the, out of the elements. That's not a great thing. It's not a perfect thing. But as I'm saying, you need to get the thick, thick trees. Hey, y'all go out there and, and get those limbs. Well, we got to go camping. I don't want to go get no limbs. Gotta go. go to the mountain. You need to go to the mountain. I don't feel like going to the mountain. I got two more levels on my video game. I don't want to go no mountain to get my leaves. Do we have to do that, Dad? Go publish it. Proclaim it. Tell the news. Hey, it's time to meet God. God wants us to have a camping trip. And we're going to get out there outside. And we're going to meet with the Lord. And we're going to rejoice in God. Go get your branches. Get ready. You know what that reminds me? The, the, the craziness and the peculiarity, the peculiarity of that reminds me of how we try to proclaim the gospel to people who think we're crazy. 
It's just as if we told them to go to the mountain and go get a bunch of branches. When we give them the good news, when we proclaim the good news, you know what we still, you know what we tell them to do? We tell them to go to the mount too, but they're going to get more than a branch. They're going to go to a savior that was on that mount. But it sounds just as crazy to the world. Why should I leave my comfortable life? So they had to make the announcement to everybody. Verse sixteen. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths. Everyone praised God. You know how we started this chapter, verse number one? And all the people, they all wanted to hear God and they were all hungry for God. And so you know what now they're doing? All of them are going out there and making their booths. I bet if you were one of the, the, uh, the backslidden ones, I bet you'd have went and got your booth anyway not to, not, not to feel left out. You know, wouldn't it be great if we had such peer pressure to do right that the people wasn't do right, felt so bad about it, they just went ahead and did right anyway? I mean, if everybody else is going to get on, I don't want to look, amen, I don't want to look like I'm just sticking out. I remember one time we had revival breakout in the Christian school and everybody, everybody was flooding the altar and getting right with God. And there was, there was this one young man sitting back there all by himself and he wouldn't get right with God. You know what? He was really the only honest one. But he was a rebel. And I can tell you stories about his life that would just shock you coming out of a Christian school. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if so many people were doing right that people just start doing right because, man, I, if they're doing right, I've got to do right. Now, that's not the greatest motivation, but it's a better motivation than doing wrong. I mean, they have peer pressure to do wrong. Why can't we have it do right? Amen. You said, preacher, do we want to get to where people get uncomfortable if they're not going to the altar? I can think of worse things. I can think of worse things. They're all doing it. Look at verse 16. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths. Everyone. Now watch this. Where are we going to make these booths? Well, just, it don't matter. He didn't say where. He said, just go make one. But it's got to be outside. It can't be in your house. We're going to meet with God. We're going to meet with God, so you need to get out of your house. That's the point. Everyone upon the roof of his house. Now, that's, now look, we're not, not this kind of roof. You're not going to make a booth on that kind of roof. That's how the Western world makes a roof. They made a roof like this. That's why God told them to put balaments around it because you can fall off of there. They still make roofs like that. In Greece, we had a we were missionaries there. We had a nice roof uh, uh, that was flat up there, and you can go up there and see out in the sea. That, that's a very common way to make a roof. They did that in Romania. They, I think they probably do it in other parts of the world. So they have a flat roof, and so they go up there and say, can you imagine having to explain to the children, well, why are we up here on the roof, Daddy? Because God said so. Well, I mean, you know, my bed is just right there. (laughs) No, you're going to stay on the roof today. And you know what? We're going to stay on here seven days. So they made the booths on the roof of their houses. Watch it. And in their courts. So some of them made them in their front yard. 
Some of them made it in their backyards. Keep reading. And in the courts of the house of God. I like that one. This guy says, I tell you what, where we're going to go famine. We're going to go to the house of God and we're going to make our booth right there in the court of the house of God. Can you imagine that? We're not through. And in the street. Some of them making booths in the street. Some of them making lean-to sheds on the roof. Some of them making uh, their booth in the house of God. Some of them are in the court. And everywhere you walk around, I bet you if you were there that day, you were looking around. These people are crazy. Look at all these people. There are people living out in the street. There are people out in the front yard. We go to the temple and there are people that are living out there. And they got all, these people not have any money. They not have a decent place to live. I mean, you know, you get these branches and make your little lean-to shed. It's, it's not the Taj Mahal. And they're living that way everywhere. Seven days they're out. And then they just sit under those booths. <laughs> you know, even our tent experiences aren't like that. Some of you got these tents, man. I mean, they got sectionals. They got stoves. Amen. I had one time, I, I, I probably still do somewhere. It's about this big around. It's flat. You threw it up in there and it went pop. Just went bang. You talk about making a tent real fast. Have all the little niceties, you know. They didn't have that. Just a bunch of leaves, a bunch of tree limbs, and they're sitting in that booth. They're saying, Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Pass the lamb. Give me some more of that good fresh bread. They're rejoicing. You know what happens when we do the details of the Bible? Even if it looks inconvenient, God will get in our hearts and get in on that thing. Because look what the Bible said in verse 17. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, Jeshua the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so and look at it look at it look at it look at it and there was very great gladness you know what people don't have they don't have very great gladness with a temperpedic mattress and air conditioned central heat plush cars nice clothes Good refrigerator, tile on the floor, money in the bank, indoor plumbing, all the conveniences of Western civilization. And you know what we see very rarely? With all those comforts of life, we don't see very great gladness. And the children of Israel are out there under a lean-to, sitting under branches for seven days, and they are just full of gladness, and they are shouting glory and praising God and having the time of their life. You know why? Because if you do the details of God, it'll bring gladness in your life. And if you have all of the fluff, but you don't have obedience to God, you'll not have the gladness. What a peculiar feast. It wasn't all just shouting. The Bible says the last day, verse 18, day by day from the first day and the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, 
They kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly. The last, the eighth day, they had a solemn time. Probably because it was over. I think one of the reasons it was solemn because, man, we've got to go back home. We've had a great seven days. But the solemnity is really going to be with the holy things of God. Now, I've got to give you something else. Because as I read this, go back and read verse 15 one more time. They should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees. Does that sound like something else you read in the Bible? Go to John chapter 12. The peculiarities of these feasts, of this feast, of these booths, have a great prophetical meaning. The Bible says in John chapter 12, would you look at verse 12? And on the next day, much people that were come to the, what's the word, church? Feast, you see that? When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he found a young ass, sat there on as it is written. You know the rest of the story. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 11, they throw all those branches out there and he begins to ride over top of, of them. And this is a great prophetic event. Look with me in Zechariah chapter 14 because they're welcoming their king. And the feast of the tabernacles is that great feast that is connected to the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Because again, think about the word tabernacle. And as they are tabernacling from their house into these booths, you know, the Bible tells us that, that one of these days that God is going to tabernacle with men. And you see, the greatest tabernacle that ever was, was the tabernacle. And your body is a tabernacle. Your body is a temple. But what a wonderful thing when God moves into the body and God moves into the tabernacle. And what a wonderful thing it was and what a miraculous thing it was when, when God Almighty tabernacled with men when He came down into a body of flesh. And He met with men and they could touch Him and understand Him. And the Bible says in the book of Zechariah chapter 14, if you recall when we were upon this text, this is the text about the second coming of our Lord. And the Bible says in verse number 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Isn't it interesting? They went to the mountain. They got all those branches. That's what's happening also in John chapter 12, not just in Nehemiah chapter 8. They're going up to that mount, that Mount of Olives. It's right there by, by Jerusalem. And they're getting those branches of those trees. The Bible says in verse 4, His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Bible says in verse number 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord in His name one. Verse number 16, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of what? The Feast of Tabernacles. What are they doing in the Feast of Tabernacles? 
that dwell in booths. You say, how are all, keep, keep reading, verse 17. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, that have no, that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come up, come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. You say, well, how are all those nations going to come to the Feast of Tabernacles? Where are they all going to stay? They're going to stay outside under a booth. They're going to make lean-tos in the court of the house of God. And from all nations, they'll have them in the courtyard. And they'll have them out in the street. And what are you doing here? Well, we come from a long way. But for seven days, we're going to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God has come down to Tabernacle with us. 20, and in that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness of the Lord. I like, watch, watch this, I like this. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness of the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein. And in that day there shall be no more in the Canaan house of the house Lord. They got all these pots, they're having a feast. They got their little pot under their booth and they, well, where'd you come from? I, I came from Morocco. Where'd you come from? I came from Spain. Where'd you come from? I came from China. Boy, it's a long trip. It's, it, it's, it's hot today. Yeah, but the king's still here. And for seven days, I'm going to worship him and praise him and give him my heart. And boy, we're eating good. Have you, have you, look, get some of this out of my pot. Remember they were sent? They were sending portions to each other. Hey, come on over to my tent tonight. Boy, we have a good portion over here. They're just having a great time. Because the king is there. The Feast of Tabernacles has a prophetic meaning of the king is coming. And that's why when Jesus walked into Jerusalem at the feast... They went and grabbed the branches because they know what the book says in Zechariah. And they know what the book says about the kingdom. And oh, we're going to have rest because you know what the kingdom's about? It's about rest and it's about peace. It's about glory. It's about the absence of sin. And they grab all those branches and they throw them at the feet of Jesus. And their king comes in and I guess if he had set up shop right there, they could have took those branches and made them booze and just had a seven-day glorious feast for the king. But you know the rest of that story. It didn't work out that way. So the Bible lets us know about this feast and these booths. Prophetic, prophetic. Get your Bible in Matthew 24. And with your other hand, get... Go back to Leviticus 23 where we talked about the institution of that feast. The Bible is an amazing book. When Jesus comes again, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go get those branches. And it's going to be Nehemiah chapter 8 all over again. It's going to be John 12 all over again, but it's going to be a lot better than that. But here's what the Bible says about, you know, 
that was on the 15th day when they started that feast and that rest and that giving and that, which is a type of the millennial kingdom that is to come. But there's something that happened. Two things happened right before that feast started. Now, the feast started on the 15th day of that seventh month. We read that in verse 34 of Leviticus 23. But the first thing that happened, go up to verse 23 of Leviticus 23. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation to you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And, of course, you understand that day of atonement where the sins of the people of God were atoned for. Now look at Matthew 24. So before they can start this feast, they have to have a day of atonement. And before that day of atonement, they have to have the trumpets blowing to gather all the people. Remember I told you, when they, when they started this feast, they had to go publish and proclaim to get everybody ready for it. To bring everybody down there to the booths and make their booths and get, get prepared for that feast. First day of the month, the Feast of Trumpets. Matthew chapter 24, watch it, verse 24, 27. Matthew 24, 27, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Do you see that? Before the king goes down and sits, the trumpets are sounded. And all the, and Israel's gathered back together. And the Lord sits there in the temple. And He's God. And then the kingdom begins. Just as the Bible shows us at that Feast of Tabernacles, you got it starting with trumpets and the people are gathering together and then there's a day of atonement. You know what the Bible says when Jesus comes again? Israel, all Israel shall be saved when the king gets here. You know why? Because he's the atonement. He's the atoning one. He brings them back at one minute. He brings them back together. So there's great prophetical Things that God has in His Word about this, these booths. It's not just a peculiar thing. It's a very prophetical thing. But let me give you this last one. I'm finished. There's something real practical about what they're doing. You know, we need a reminder. You know why God told them to go out in booths? Because he did not want them to get at home 
in their home. We have a tendency to drive down our roots, don't we? And you know what, what happened when he brought them out of Egypt? They had no houses. They had no structures. They just moved from booth to booth, tent to tent as they traveled. And now they are established in Israel. And now even the captivity has come back and they've begun building their houses. We read about all that. And God says, you've got to remember the journey. You've got to remember where God brought you from. You've got to remember that your roots are not in here in this world, but your roots are in God. And there is something about God's camping trip that just gets us out of our comfort zone and about everything we're used to and The alarm clock's not right there on the side and the coffee maker is not right there. And When you go camping, you get out of your comfort area. When you go camping, when you dwell outside, you're getting out from the place where you got your roots in. And what I'm trying to tell you, that book tells me, we that are saved, we are pilgrims, and strangers. Our, our home is not here. And a lot of times, look guys, I'm building a house. I don't know how long it's going to take to build it. I hope it'll be built tomorrow. I want to get there tomorrow. We appreciate living in the, in the house by the church. We want to get in that house tomorrow. I want to be by my mother. I'm excited about, about everything about that house. But you know what? If we're not careful... We'll be more excited about our roots here than our home there. This is so temporary. You know what a booth is? You know what a tent is? It's a temporary dwelling. It's not a permanent dwelling. Those those branches aren't going to last very long. And what God's trying to teach His people, your roots are not here. This is a temporary situation. God's got something far better. My home is not the United States. My home, I don't even know where my home is sometimes in this world. But I have a home there. We sing it in the church. I have a home beyond the river. I have a mansion bright and fair. So why don't I dwell in a booth to get detached from all the things where I'm connected and I think this is my home. I think this is permanent. Guys, y'all have lived long enough. You've seen people grow up and the parents die and then they leave the house to the next person. They sell the house or the, or the, the kids get it. And then they die. It's all temporary. God says, get out there in those booths and remind yourself about how temporary everything is. (laughs) Amen. And remind yourself that the comforts of your life are not the reason for your living. 
The reason for your living is above. The reason for your living is that king in there on the throne. The reason for your living is God. And it would be much better, amen, to live in a lean-to shed and rejoice with God than live in that sealed house. And there's no glory and there's no gladness and there's no fellowship with God. Get out there in that lean-to. And we'll see how much religion you really got. Boy, I've, I've taken so many church trips to missionary fields. I remember one, Brother Gibson was on it. He can tell you about it. We took about 35 people way down south of the border. I've never seen so many miserable people, church people in all my life. They were mad. Mad. They came up to me and they said, you knew this was going to happen. I said, I didn't know it was going to happen. It's the first time I've ever been here. Oh, you knew. You planned this. Because you're trying to toughen us up and teach us a spiritual thing. I said, I'm not that smart. I'm not being that spiritual. I'm not having a really great time myself. There's some, we don't like getting out of our comfort area. And God says every year, you need to take a camping trip. And see if you can be just as happy out there in the tent. And if you can be just as close. I tell you what. I've got real close to God outside before with nothing. Brother Cal knows where it is. Miss Bonnie, way up there where that, where that pearl girl was. Way up there in the mountain in New Guinea. Whatever that is. I didn't even know where I was. It was off the end of the world. It wasn't even... White, I was the only white person, you know, and here I'm coming in. It's, it's wild. It's just crazy. But we got in the shed with some of those people and started praying. I mean, I was hot, mosquitoes everywhere. I said, every time I got bit by a mosquito in New Guinea, I said, oh, Lord, I got malaria. Please help me. Yeah. If we had to bathe, you had to go out there and pour water on your head, you know. If you had to go to the bathroom, you know, you find you. We don't like that. We like our. I'm not, I'm not begrudging comforts. I'm just saying we are so comfortable. We, we, we have left God. And we can't be satisfied with just God. But you can get out there in that tent, I tell you what, out there with those people with that terrible food. Good night. They were having a feast, but I wasn't feasting. Men I took with me, I bet, I, I bet in 10 days I lost 20 pounds. You, you want to lose weight? Amen. Go to Papua New Guinea to the jungle. Amen. I didn't like their food. It was uncomfortable sleeping on them. I guess we were blessed. We did get to sleep on wood, not a dirt floor. But we got in there and prayed, and I tell you what, there's a lot of great gladness that filled that room. And for just a little moment, I thought I was up in the glory. I mean, I thought God was right there. He was just as real as if he had put his hand on my shoulder. And you know what? That's more than any comfort of life will ever do for your life.
God says, you need to get out there in the booth. Get away from your comforts and remember that you're a stranger. And remember that this little thing you're living under, it's not made of cement and brick and mortar like your house is. But it's made of living things that you had to cut down. And your real life is in me. And your home is in me. And I ought to be enough. And you sit in that booth for seven days and you just rejoice. And they had a great time. You guys, sometimes I look at all of our affluence in America. And I appreciate the goodness of God, I do. But I don't know how good of a time all of us would have in a lean-to shed with just God.